0: I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is a very interesting guy. He's the San Francisco poet, Michael War. And he just recently received the Berkeley Lifetime Achievement Award and also the Penn Oakland Josephine Miles Award for Excellence in Literature. I mean... That's pretty cool. And he has his own books of poetry, of course, he's gonna read some poems for us. But also important, I think, he is the editor of a book called The Poetry of Protest, from Emmett Till to Trayvon Martin. And the description of the book says this, I want you to hear this because it's really relevant. The book gives voice to the current conversation about race in America while also providing historical and cultural contexts. And the book was published a couple of years ago, so it's not been on everybody's right uh, quick reading list with uh, issues going on today, but uh, it should be. So, Michael, I'm really happy you're here. And whatever you want to tell us about that book and whatever poems you want to read, we're happy to hear them.
1: Well, first of all, it's good to see you. Good to see you again, and for us to um, sometimes it takes a couple of attempts to um, to make it the connection happen. So I'm glad to finally be here. And as you mentioned, "Of Poetry and Protests" came out, published by Norton in 2016, and we work we began work on the book in 2013. You know, so because this is a book that includes um, a. a Portrait by the same photographer of every single poet in the book. It includes archival materials. It includes what I call an I statement, which is basically a 500 or less Bio statement from the poet. Um, And also it includes um, essays. The essay by Amira Baraka in the book is probably the last one that he wrote. And so even though the book came out in 2016, it was actually reprinted. It sold out and it was reprinted in 2019, um, late 2018, early 2019. So that's very significant, as you know, for poetry, particularly a poetry anthology. Uh, So the book has done very, very well at Norton. And I have to say that the book is really out there in the ether. I call it when the book has a life of its own, you know, you, it's like a child. You do everything you can to nurture it, set it on the right road, make sure that it, it's set for, you know, ready to face the challenges of life. Well, I, I think of books that way, that you have to do everything you can with them to put them on the right road. And then they have this life that exists beyond you. And I have so many crazy experiences about that book having a life of its own. Um, But the the thing I want to remember to say is that it's very much engaged right now. It's constantly being listed as, um, you know, books about justice and social justice and um, the most recent anti-racist list from City Lights in Chicago. It's at the top of that list. You know, they have a picture of their, of the books in their window, and it's at the center of those books. Um, You know, so it is very much in the conversation today. But also, I like to think of it as a tool. And I'm hoping that it stays in print. It's very, very critical. That's very important to me. And I'm working on a digital version of it, like a portal that could bring all art forms addressing the issue of unjust police killings. And whether it be visual art, poetry, storytelling, music, a portal that links you to all these different responses to what's going on in the street, but also connects you to what's being done about it. So in the introduction to a poetry and protest, I refer to the book being a tool in a toolbox of many tools yeah. because I, even though most of my life, I've, um, I've always seen poetry as a form of action and also as a tool that can be used to transform society. But what I even though I say that in the introduction to the book, what I wasn't able to do that I wish I had been able to do was to actually provide some form of a toolbox, a digital toolbox. And um that's my that's my goal. That's what I want to do. Outside of keeping the book in print, I do want to find a way to produce this digital portal.
0: And you had some kind of award that I I didn't mention in the intro, because you have so many awards, but it was something about there was some multimedia kind of thing you did, oh. wasn't there some special project? I'm just yeah, thinking was, you are qualified to do what you're talking about.
1: Well, the also also the thing that I bring with me that I kind of developed in Chicago is I've always been a collaborator, you, you know, and so it, I don't let myself be hold back, but when I don't know, mm. you know, I go, either I figure it out myself or I go find someone who knows how to do it.
0: Yeah. So
1: my digital partner is a guy who actually, his tag is um, Mark Digital. His um his name is Mark Saab, S A B B, and when I was the executive director, was well, the deputy director at the Museum of the African Diaspora. I actually hired him as the um as the communications person, and he he's been running um the 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 um, communications at Moat since then. We were already collaborating before that. and so he's he's my digital partner on the project you refer to which is called Tracing Poetic Memory. And that's a, a project that combines poetry and digital technology and, um, and images. And so it was a $40,000 grant from the um, Hots Foundation here in San Francisco, which is, I didn't even realize how competitive the damn thing was until I won it, but over 300 people apply. They give out, I think they gave out that year, like 17 of them. But it's wow. Bay Area wide. It's a great brand because you're pretty much able to do what you want with it. So I hired um, Mark to work with me on it. And my community partner was the Bayview Hunters Point YMCA. And so they got a chunk of that for too but I also brought it to the Y and help kids tell their own digital stories with, yeah. with, with poetry and visual art. So that's, um, that's a project also, all the projects I'm involved in right now, I kind of see them as, as a project I'll be working on the rest of my life, you know? So, Tracing Poetic Memory is rooted in the fact that I grew up in Baby hunters Point in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I my family left there when I was about seven, so I don't remember much about it. It's a predominantly African-American community, but no longer, um, and I wanted to trace my family's memory using poetry and digital technology. And that's what that particular project is, right. is, is about.
0: You said you had some strange experiences with the book, or striking oh, experiences with the book. You want to just, just tell us one little anecdote?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, this one's crazy. So I was at this festival, an art, a visual arts festival, just across the Golden Gate Bridge in Sausalito. And my wife and I were going to the festival and there's just tons of art. Well, first of all, we almost did not make it. You know, uh, we kept going back up up to the apartment and down because we forgot something. And finally, finally, after the third time we leave San Francisco, get to this festival. And it's so crowded, we can't find a parking space. So we're driving around, driving around. We finally find it. We almost left. So we go into the festival and we're not really that impressed. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of art. Finally, we get to like almost the last stall. And I look to the left and I, wow, that's beautiful art. I look to the right. Wow, that's amazing. I look to the left again and I see the cover of my book in a frame. (laughs) And I'm like, what? You know, and I just barely caught it out of the side of my eye. And so I go up to the, you know, the tent, and I say, "That's my book." And she says, "You're Michael War." So what this artist does is she takes a book apart, and she takes the pages of the book, including the cover. In this case, she even included my introduction, and she creates like a collage of these huge, you know, images. And it's striking. If I could afford to buy it, I would have bought it. But the other some of the other books that were in there, there were only like five or six, you know, frames. But one of them was Frank Lloyd Wright. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. And everybody else that was in that tent, it was that kind of level in terms of notoriety, you know, of people knowing who they are, yeah. and them being a star. And then my book, and um, she basically had bought the book, I think, in Colorado or something at a bookstore, and inspired her, and so she created this piece of art. Oh, I mean. Cool. I, you know this is just one of these things of the book having a, she of course she didn't ask me if she could do it. <laughs> she <laughs> just did it, and um it's yeah. just an example this type of thing happens to me all the all the time. I have to write a book about that <laughs> yeah right, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> people don 't think poets lead adventurous lives, you know, but uh, <laughs> well don't you're a poem or, or two, and then Talk about some other things like the uh, the Chinese language project and all that.
1: Okay. Um, well, what I'll start with, um, since we've been talking about Of poetry and protest from Immatilda Trayvon Martin is a book that's very relevant to that and relevant to my continuing to to on the theme and um, I purposely am putting in my own poetry in that book because We were using the images, the archival materials, the essays, and we could only get about 45 poets in the book. So I wasn't going to take up that poetry space, but I do have an intro. But here's a poem of mine on the theme that I've been writing since 2018, because I have been adding the names of people killed by the police. Of course, not Mm. all of those names, but even just using some of them. Um, Typically, this poem would take almost 15 minutes to read. That's just how many names there are in it. But I'm just going to do a uh, three-minute version. I've been reading it so much, I feel obligated to read it. And um, this is a three-minute version. The title is What Not to Do, an unfinished poem. Breathe, Eric Gardner, choked. Sell, Lucy's. Resist, to death. Stand, Amadou Diallo, in vestibule. Carry wallet, look out of place, act suspicious, 40 run, fire, 19 bullets, kill. Park, Tanya Haggerty, on side of road. Talk, on cell, on side of road. Shot, on side of road. Drive, Philando Castile, with broken brake lights. Carry, legal firearm. Announce you have a gun. Shout, not reaching for gun. Shot five bullets, two to heart. Approach Oscar Grant, the police. Beg not to shoot. Nil shot anyway and back. Carry Tamir Rice toy gun, shot with real bullets. Carry. Remain, Bisbon, prescription bottle, shot, two bullets, to torso. Not carry, Keith Lamont Scott, a gun, when told to drop it, shot. B Natasha McKinnon, schizophrenic. B superhuman, stunned while shackled 50,000 votes to death. B John Crawford, an imminent threat, shop. For Walmart Air Rifle, carry Walmart Air Rifle at Walmart, talk on cell phone at Walmart, shot with real bullets at Walmart, B. George Floyd, a suspect. suspect, B a six foot seven black man, B claustrophobic, asphyxiated, knee on neck or handcuffed. Run Stephen Clark through grandmother's yard. Carry Cell gun cell phone shot twenty bullets fired eight hit primarily in back. Jog Amon Aubrey shot two bullets kill while hunted sleep. Brianna Taylor in bed shot eight bullets kill. Sleep. Richard Brooks at Wendy's flee for daughter's birthday point. Did Taser over shoulder shot two bullets? and back, walk Elijah McCain home, look sketchy, play music, wear ski mask. shop for iced tea, carry iced tea, act crazy, whisper can't breathe, display superhuman strength, beg to go home, be anemic, be suspicious, be on something choked to death, breathe. Wow. That also wow. has been translated into Chinese. <laughs>
0: Whoa. Whoa. I, 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 it, would sound, it would sound good in any language if you didn't understand it because of the rhythm. Mm-hmm. That repeated rhythm, you know, it just it drives it home.
1: It has a um a form that I devised for the poem. I don't typically follow form. I'm verse. Yeah. But this poem necessitated some kind of form. Otherwise you could just It would be hard to keep up with it and so the form is it's it's the most highly structured form um, poem that I've ever written Mm. and I had to kind of create the form sometimes when I do um, visual projections of uh, like if I do a powerpoint I'll take a kind of a graphic um, shot of the way the poem looks and share that so people can kind of get it um, also, yeah. I use ellipses in the poems like bullet shots um, and the structure is such that each one tends, each line tends to start with the, the kind of mundane thing that led to the killing and the names of the people who were killed are in bold, you know, so there's a lot in yeah, the structure sing, and to... the graphic look of the poem yeah. like, that goes into it. So that's the three-minute version. If I read the same thing, it would probably take somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes Wow! at this point. Yeah, you know. right. One of the things that uh, is important to me during these times is, for instance, I tend to take a long time to write poems. Um, I can hold on to a poem for years. I mean, I have one poem that it took mm-hmm. me 10 years to write. But these days, I'm, um, partially at request, but also because I see the urgency of these issues, and um, all my life, I've written in response to what's going on in the world around me. It's not the only thing I write about, mm-hmm. but um, these days, I find myself doing that more than ever. And um, this poem that you're familiar with to your assailant, and today I'm mostly gonna read share work that I just think is really relevant to the time. Great. This evolves out of the attacks that have been made against. Asian people around the world. And the uh, Trump has come out referring to the, the, the China virus, and, you know, just kind of agitate, that's just part yeah. of the agitation. And um, the Chinese Cultural Center in Chicago, excuse me, the Chinese Cultural Center in San Francisco asked me to participate in a project they were doing to get artists responding to what's going on in their lives with COVID-19. And they also asked for a video. Um, of the of whatever they would share. So I wrote this poem um, and videotaped it all within a matter of three to four days, which for me is really quick. I, I just would not do that. But um, this is what came out. It's called To Your Salient Who Attacks Us All. And this is also translated in Chinese. Do you call yourself God-fearing, devoted, to do on to others? Does your God condone your violence, your ignorance, your corruption? Does your God hate your neighbor like you do? Does your God share your love for prophets bearing false witness, fueling your grievance fever? Do you swallow the lies they regurgitate? Do you really need a reason? Are you truly a true believer? of both God and golden calf? Does the all-knowing know you? Do they love you as you are? Does it matter that they are watching your naked depravity? Do you pray before you pray on innocence in this guilty world? Do you have your God's blessing, or are you as godless as you seem? Did your Father teach you to be demean, mean and maim? Is he proud of your cowardice? Does your mother say, well done, son? Did they train you in backwardness? Do you feel bigger in your smallness, content with acts of uselessness? Is your inner bully seething still beneath your concealed surface? Are you comforted in your criminality, stupefied by superiority, simply insane or lost? Who are you? And So that was shot on the stairs of the Asian Art Museum and they they have these um, bronze lions in front of the museum so behind me is the bronze um, lion and behind that is City Hall and um, you can um, people can find that that video at our website but the project is called Two Languages One Community the project that Chung Yu and I worked on together and she's the translator and so the website is two languages one community and um, you can find that video there. Great. It's okay. a work in progress.
0: Great. No, that, it's a great project overall. People remember if you didn't get that, you can always rewind the tape, quote, and listen to what <laughs> Michael said again, and get that website address because uh, it's it's quite interesting to hear that poem read again in Chinese. He sent me the recording.
1: Whenever I'm I'm given the mic particularly during times like these, to read people something that most people may never hear, (laughs) or maybe even they might turn off. (laughs) Okay, well, that's what we
0: want to put out there. So this is a match made in heaven.
1: So this is a piece that I wrote. God, I wrote this in 2014. And this is called, I Like My Neo-Fascist Naked. I want the robes of our justices open unfettered by cloaking fig leaves, naked in their nakedness, rolls of corporate-fed excess flaunted, abandoning rituals of false denial, their rulings free of faux equivalency, statistical dishonesty, and classless level playing fields. I want my N-T-V, my N-word spelled overtly, niggerized in righteous hatred spoken in non-hyper-justified gibberish, decoded and unconstrained, embedded, applauded, marketed ignorance, managed through transparent, instructed malevol- male- malevolence for those non-fluent in the ways of this nefarious, nigger-distracted world to see. I want our backwardness blatant and walking forward, scarred knuckles scraping our glorious amber plains, flagating but, but <laughs> oh, no. I said that word in the wrong. Well, um, uh, flat, flagellating our virus-infected brains on the prairies of flat eartherism, climate hucksterism, denying the signs of the sun. I want the logic of legislative inquisitions, those democratic knife bites held increasingly in the dead of night that injure, injure our nieces, my sister, my mother, my wife, The sadistic sadistic incursions into their wounds, the state dictated procedures in the sacrilegious name of submission, I want to see them disintegrated in sunlight. I want homeland spine under pretense patriotism, the criminalizing of conversation of everyday people, every data second of the data-driven day, the jacking of simple assumed liberties, under cover of the stultifying fog, of fear and superiority practiced lewdly in the public square. I want the legalization of lawlessness, the deputizing of modern lynching promoted in pro photo ops encircled by emotionless phases of neighbors conditioned for murder sanctioned by their God. It has been done before. I want the end of these days. Sorry, I haven't read that one very much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, the can, thing, the reason I said I wrote that in 2014 uh, is because a lot of these things that there were hints of and, you know, some yeah. acts of thought, even early on, are just blatant out loud in the public square today. Of what's and, always um, been
0: there, yeah. You got it. Yeah, a a poem like that you've got a lot in, you get a lot in your poems. And I'm wondering if, I, if, you, if you can articulate how your process works. I mean, like yeah. that poem, can you remember even where, was it an incident that got you going or something or other?
1: Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's very interesting because typically, uh, you, know, you know, people won't know it from the three poems I shared today, but I write a lot about music. You know, I have love poems. I have a poem um, based on just a crazy um, image of a male bird, you know, um, courting Mm -hmm. a female bird just trying to get its attention. It's just an amazing video. I have a poem, you know, uh, uh, about that that I'm going to start sharing with the video. Um, It's called Interpretation of a Mating Opera. Um, But the thing (laughs) is, is that I tend to be driven by music. Since my earliest poetry, I'm definitely driven by images. That's a, a major thing for me. And so uh, I, I'm i very fascinated by the potential relationship between a, a poem and making a film. You, you, you know, it's the, 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 the images really um, drive me. And then I always say that I could write a poem about anything. I, I truly believe that. But I don't. Um it takes a lot for me to write a poem. And I I'm always looking for the thing that I feel that needs to be said. That's a big part of what drives me to be a poet since I was a child. And so, um, you know, in these kind of instances where people are asking you to share a poem, as you know, as a poet, yeah. you have to select what you share. And I like it when people are at least when they're poetizing. To be able to read at least three poems, because I think it gives you a better opportunity to show some scope of who you are as a poet. Yeah. These days, I feel challenged to do that because I just feel the necessity of reading these poems.
0: Yeah, like the well, one the issues. Did. Sure, it, it makes it. sense.
1: Um, but for me, it's a it's typically a very long process. I love working with words, and I have often seen it as like painting and um, working with clay and when I do workshops, I try to get the point across, don't get stuck in the perfection of the words because you have the power to change them, you know? And that's, most, that's, my most, that's the part of it I love most is the editing of a poem. And, and I work very hard to not be pedestrian in my language. I have nothing against pedestrian language. In fact, I don't think we can survive without it, right? We wouldn't have been able to set up this interview if we weren't using pedestrian language. But as a poet, it's really important to me to try to raise the language to another level. You know, it's important to me for the person who's reading or listening to the poem and to me in creating the poem, you know, to find new ways of doing things, but at the same time to, to take advantage of the ways things have been said before.
0: Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, because when I decide to get kind of generous with time on a poem, then mm-hmm. that's usually what the extra time goes for. Like it's there, and it says what it's going to say, but then can I do something to kick up the sound in there? Uh, you know, track. what other what other words can I use to say this kind of thing and just make you it fundamentally it. interesting to listen to? Regardless yeah, I always
1: say of it, the like, content. there's millions of words in the world, you might as well use them, they're free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Do you know, yeah. I have to tell you, with a poem like, for instance, um, To Your assailant, that was a poem, and I think this happens to writers a lot, that was inside of me for a long time. And I was struggling with things that I was seeing in the news. And like I said, I can take a long time to germinate and eventually grow something into a poem. But this time there was an external influence, not just the, what was happening at the time, but also that someone came to me and asked me if I would be part of a project. Yeah. And I said, this is the poem for that project. And I did that thing of writing it within three days, like I said, which is an unusual for yeah. me. So it's kind of a combination of all these different factors. And I asked to—I was asked to, to speak at a memorial a couple of weeks ago. And I, in my mind when they asked me to, I thought to myself, I'll try, I'm going to write a poem, oh. but then I wasn't going to tell them that because I'm very critical of my own poetry. So if it didn't work, I wouldn't have used it. Sure. But then the person who asked me to read it at the memorial for their mother asked me if I would write a poem. And so <laughs> I had already started thinking about doing it. And I, I just told them yeah. that honestly, I said, listen, that's what I was thinking of doing, but I'll tell you right now that I'm, I'm, I might be my harshest critic outside of my wife. And I um, if I don't think it works, I won't share it. And yeah. um, it, it, you know, as soon as with all, with most writing, as soon as I get the first line, then the rest of it is pretty organic, you, you know. Um, and with that one, it turned out to, 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 to work. And again, I wound up writing that in a matter of days. And then once I have the basic structure, then I'm editing, that's, that's the painting for me. And when you're painting, you can all also get rid of what you painted and paint over it, right? And so, it's a process that I, that I loved. I wish I had more time to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <Right>. yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of time, <laughs> that about does it for us. But this has been great. This, the thing you say, these are exactly the reasons I like doing this podcast. So I can oh. put those things out there for people to listen to, the philosophizing about poetry, the message about what the hell's going on in the world, in the world, the crazy way it is. It's just great. I'm so glad we could finally do this, Michael. Hope this means we're reconnected now that you're in California and I'm in Vermont. It's really great. Great, let's
1: stay in touch and keep doing what you do. I love it.
0: You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to Let Poetry Speak to You. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, PoetrySpokenHere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere@gmail.com. at gmail.com.